What's up, Frogcasters? If you haven't watched Paul T. Goldman on Peacock, I think that'd be a great one to check out, especially if you've enjoyed things like Nathan For You and Borat. And if anyone remembers Windy City Heat, that one too. Jason Walliner, who directed Borat 2 and a few episodes of Nathan For You and a bunch of other stuff, directed this one. Uh, He explains it in the interview, but it's basically about this kooky guy who tweeted at him, trying to get him to direct this book he'd written about his ex-wife, who he says is running a human trafficking ring. So for the past 11 years or something, Jason Walliner has been directing the stories this guy wrote, but also doing a making-of documentary about the show, and trying to get to the truth of what this guy Paul T. Goldman is saying. And so the show is this mix of all three of them. Um, I thought the show was really interesting and also really funny and sometimes sad. Uh, I interviewed Jason Waller twice, once in December after I'd seen the first three or four episodes, and again last week uh, in late January. Uh, I thought these were pretty conversational, so I thought I'd share them on the podcast feed. As always, you can subscribe to the Patreon at patreon.com slash to get all the regular premium frockcasts and also early access to the Pod Yourself the Wire episodes before those go, go up for a free a week later. Phew, okay. I think that's enough of an intro. Uh, subscribe to the Patreon and check out Paul T. Goldman on Peacock. I'm a regular guy that got caught up in extraordinary circumstances. This story is as accurate as it is unbelievable. I couldn't make this up. It happened to me. Paul, is this what happened? It's all been put in the book. I'm a single dad raising my son, Johnny. I always brought Johnny with me on my first dates. Then I came across a woman, family-oriented, stay-at-home mom. Audrey? Let's cut there. How does that feel, Paul? He's the main guy. He's going to play himself. Guilty as charged, Your Honor. Wow, that's weird. Action. Hey, Vince. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Great. I was just, uh, I was looking at your IMDb this morning and I realized that you did uh, Eagle Heart. I really, uh, I really liked that show. Oh, man, thanks. That's a, it's an obscure one, I think. I appreciate it. Yeah, I was just like, oh, yeah, I remember that show. I love that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So what was the, what was like the initial spark for this project and, uh, how did it sort of evolve over the time that you were doing it? Um, you know, as it says in the show, Paul tweeted at me in 2012, he said he had an incredible story. He had written a screenplay and asked for my help filming it. And, um, I, I saw that he had tweeted, you know, the same thing to hundreds and hundreds of other people. (laughs) Um, but I clicked on his website, I watched a video with him, I read his book, and really just became obsessed with his book and his voice, and, um, you know, wanted to do something about it pretty much right away, just became very, very fixated on it, and kind of quietly observed him for a while, making sure he wasn't crazy or dangerous, and then ultimately reached out to him, and when met with him, when interviewed him uh, with just me and I think two or three friends, crew members, and uh, and from that, you know, uh, it kind of slowly built. It was just a process of years of trying to find money. It was a movie at first. It became a show. It got bigger and bigger. It became a show. Streaming kind of emerged. And at the very early stages, I was thinking maybe just option his book, and because it was you know the the idea of this kind of goofy nebbishy guy on, on the mission to take down uh, uh, what he perceived to be this international crime ring. I thought that was a funny premise. And then the more I got to know Paul, 
the more it became clear that Paul was the story um, and that Paul was the most interesting thing about, about this, even more interesting possibly than the details of the story he was telling. Um, and so I'd always been a fan of documentaries uh, that kind of just go deep and examine a, a unique person. Uh, you know, you have Errol Morris's work. I, I've always loved uh, these kind of very uh, unique offbeat individuals, tabloid, uh, Mr. Death. Um, I love Grizzly Man by Werner Herzog. I, you know, um, American Movie by Chris Smith was another kind of touchstone. These these portraits um, that just go deep on someone with a very unique mind and perspective. And I thought Paul fit fit that mold and just stayed interesting enough to keep exploring. So what I eventually kind of landed on was this format that developed pretty organically. You know, I was hoping that he would be up for starring as himself. And then after we had auditions of some other actors to play Paul in LA, Paul wound up just suggesting, well, maybe I can try it. And, and that's kind of how it went is every time I had an idea of how I wanted something, you know, the whole time I was really trying to let him steer the process to really just figure out how to do a portrait, you know, basically take a camera inside of this guy's mind. And, and so the format we landed on, I felt was the best way to do that is to, to film his scenes that he wrote. I didn't write a word of, of the film scenes and he would star in it. And, you know, he would also talk to the camera. We'd have behind the scenes, we'd have more traditional documentary elements. It all kind of just emerged. Uh, and it, and it just kind of happened. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it kind of landed with, with what the show is. I mean, he was always on board with the idea that you were going to, you know, shoot this as like the sort of fictionalized thing that he had envisioned, but also mix it with a uh, documentary and behind the scenes. He suggested it. I had wanted to do that. And I was trying to figure out how to proposed that to him and then he just suggested it. he's like I have a great I have the email and he goes I have a great idea what if we you know because there are so many real people involved and because it really happened to me and he referenced house of cards he's like what if I do in house of cards where I just start talking to the camera and I had already wanted to do all this stuff but was hoping that he would kind of arrive on his own and and he did uh so I I lucked out because I really tried to just let let things happen as much as I could and and uh, and this is the result. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things that's sort of funny about him is, you know, like you said, he's sort of this like nebbishy, uh, kind of nerdy sort of guy, but then as soon as uh, he's in a situation where uh, he's doing these scenes that he wrote, he seems really comfortable like being the sort of auteur and like trying to direct it all. Like, was that something that he was always like, or did that sort of grow as the project went along? That definitely emerged as the project went along, you know, in the, in the first episode, which is mostly footage from a pilot we shot about five years ago in 2017. Um, he was really taking my lead. Um, and it was a process of me telling him, you know, just constantly deferring to him. How was it? How did it happen? How do you want to tell this story? How do you want to tell this moment? What should, you know, she be wearing? What should you be wearing? You know, what should this character look like and sound like? And so gradually he, I think, became more and more empowered and understood that um, I wanted, I really wanted him to steer the process. And I felt like that was, that would give us the most interesting uh, end product. And so, you know, by the end, you can see in the show, uh, he was extremely empowered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I, it felt like the line when you guys were promoting uh, Borat 2 was sort of that the people involved weren't doing interviews as much about how the sausage was made. Uh, what what makes you more willing to uh, like explain the joke this time around, I guess? Well, you know, I'm Borat. I, you know, that's Sasha's movie. And I was, you know, coming in to, to help him figure it out, basically. And there are a lot of processes by which they cast real people and certain elements that they really protect uh, in that crew. And I and I would always want to respect that in case, you know, he ever wanted to do something like that again. Uh, they don't want that stuff out there exactly how they how they pull it off. It's mm -hmm. kind of a magic trick. On this one, I always wanted to be completely upfront uh, and open about the process. The show in large part becomes, a, as you've seen, about the process of making this show. It's all about how he's telling his story. And I felt like we had to kind of be open about everything. Everything in it, I can't think of anything that's kind of cheated or fake. You know, even the idea that I didn't want to be in it. I spent years not wanting to be in this show uh, <laughs> until I had no choice. And that is true. I don't like being on camera. And I had thought for years, I would just, maybe I'll be a voice, you know, on an interview or, or what have you, or you get a sense of who's directing it and I wouldn't really be in it. I really resisted being in it. But at the end of the day, I was letting Paul steer and I, I kind of had to go along with a lot of the things he you know wanted to do pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, like you say, you're making the show that's uh, about Paul and his perception of himself and uh, and his past. Um, but, you know, part of that is that he sort of has beliefs and uh, allegations about certain people, like mostly his his ex-wife. Uh when you're making this, I mean, how many, in, how many lawyers are involved and how, and how much, like how careful do you have to be, uh, with all that stuff? Uh, extremely careful. Yeah. This is a, this is inherently a documentary project in that it is about real people in their lives. It's not, you know, it's not fiction. Uh, and you know, it's about characters inspired and based on real people. The names are changed, but we had to be really careful about what we were alleging or, or or really just mostly be clear when we're sharing an allegation of Paul's that was not proven in court to be clear that we're, we, me, the filmmaker, the show is not saying this happened. I'm saying this is Paul's version. This is Paul's story of what happened and that, um, you know, we, we're still working on the sixth episode, but it does, uh, I, I think, answer a lot of questions uh, about what really happened. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, like his his lines for parts where he's having to sort of imagine the dialogue and and write write dialogue in these dramatizations. Did you have a favorite line of Paul's that he wrote for uh, any of these episodes? <laughs> favorite line? Oh my god. Uh... Jeez. I mean, I just, I loved, I loved every line that he wrote. I just thought every line was so interesting. Um, I, nothing's, nothing's jumping to mind right now. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about Paul's first wife. Like that, it feels like he is turning her into this simplistic character and she'll be watching him and she seems like hesitant to contradict him like can you yeah explain their dynamic at all well the interesting thing about that is you know in the book he's not extremely kind to her mm -hmm. uh and and you know reading it and 
you know, the subtext was, was very clear. She came to America, they just met, uh, and she wanted to be a doctor and she is a doctor. And, but it, it's kind of dark in the book, but what happened in the show, what happens in the show is exactly what happened in real life is that we were shooting these auditions and he was like, well, you know, she's doing her residency at Cedars, which is like down the street from where we were shooting. And he's like, should I call her up? And, and I was like, yes. <laughs> and so, and there's a lot of things like that in the show of just these kind of miraculous things that would happen organically where these two people suddenly found themselves reenacting their breakup from 12, 12 years earlier or something like that. Or how many years? That was 2014. Uh, yeah, but about a decade earlier, I guess. And, uh, and it was very interesting. And, but I was surprised meeting her, how much she liked Paul. And that was kind of the, the runner of this. That was a recurring thing is that you read the book and, there's a way to look at the story that's very dark and very unpleasant. And then you meet people who actually know him and they love him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. you know, they, they, co- they co-parented Johnny together, but they have a lovely friendship. Mm-hmm. And that was something that really surprised me that it wasn't acrimonious. And I mean, she's just so warm and wonderful, uh, Galena. Um, I mean, she's like a mail order bride that became a doctor you'd think she wouldn't be wouldn't want to be involved in this crazy uh show that her ex-husband's making i know that was one of the interesting things like reading his story you could see you could just get a picture of just all this anger and revenge and resentment and then meeting her and meeting him and it's just like it, it just revealed it kept revealing more complexity um and nuance to it that was always fascinating mm-hmm um, how did you get so many like legitimately famous actors to be in Paul's like reenactment show? Like it was part of the joke that the actors get progressively more famous as the show goes along or was that? That was part of the idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <absolutely>. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, as his story gets bigger, more cinematic, um, I wanted more recognizable actors to be part of it. And, um, but also, I mean, we got so many amazing actors in this show. Melinda McGraw uh, is an actor who I've admired for years, who's in so many of my favorite things, Larry Sanders and Mad Men and Seinfeld, just this incredible actor who's so versatile. And she's incredible in this show. I think, I, I mean, I'm in awe of what she does. And uh, and then, yeah, we wanted some, some guest stars uh, who were more and more recognizable as the show went on. And, you know, what I would do is I would, I would write them a letter, we'd send it to their agent, because we had shot a pilot in 2017, I, I had footage I could send them of what the show would be like. Um, so it made it much easier than trying to describe this kind of involved, well, it's going to be the real guy and mm. scenes that he wrote from his screenplay based on his book. <laughs> and we're going to be breaking the fourth wall and shooting behind the scenes. There's going to be cameras rolling the whole time. You know, I would send them a letter. I would send them some a few minutes of, of the pilot so they got an idea of how the show would work. And then I would Zoom with them and it was important for me that no one felt like, you know, especially coming off of the Borat movie that people didn't think it was a prank or that I was like pulling one over on them or making them look bad. I wanted to make sure everyone had a good experience. Um, at the same time, I was, you know, honest. I was like, yeah, there's going to be awkward moments on set. There's going to be interesting moments on set. A lot of this process is shooting these scenes and seeing what they reveal about Paul, about his story, what's fascinating, what's funny, what's sad, what's unsettling and uh 
I, the actors loved it. You know, it, it's it's so rare to have like a a show that's an experimental show that's really just like I think it was a fun acting exercise for them. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, we, you know, it's like Paul's never acted before. He's not a professional actor, but there's I think there's going to be something interesting knowing that this is a person reliving their life as they see it or they want it to be seen. And uh, yeah, the actors were all psyched to do it. Yeah. Um, a lot of your projects have this sort of quality, like they're like they're sort of elaborate, uh, elaborate Rube Goldberg-esque, like you're sort of manipulating fact and fiction and and, uh, and there's real people reacting, but also actors reacting. And then I was reading that you uh, have background like doing magic. Is is that, <laughs> do you think that that plays into uh, the way that you do comedy at all? I was just thinking about this. I never thought of, so yeah, my dad was a um, kid's birthday party magician uh, from when I was four years old. It was something, he, he had a hobby when he, he was a teenager, he was in a magic club. And, uh, and we grew up in the Bronx and long story, we got robbed and my parents were both, uh, public school teachers to make ends meet. My dad started doing these magic shows and I became his like assistant. I was like the plant in the audience. I would go up, he would call on me. I would go up and show him up and do these magic tricks. But, um, something that dawned on me literally last week, I was talking to my wife about this and she was talking about seeing magic growing up and the idea of magic and someone being able to do something magical. And I realized, I never thought of this before, um, that magic never was real for me. Uh, it was always a trick. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I would never, I, you know, from my earliest memories, magic tricks, I would know the mechanics behind them or the actual trick or, you know, so it's always like impressive, it's skill, but I always approached, it was never like, oh, this is a person that's like a wizard, they can do something amazing. <laughs> it was like, oh no, you hot, you know, the rabbit that would come out of the hat uh, at a kid's party was my pet rabbit. <laughs> yeah. So I always knew where it was hiding mm-hmm. and how it worked. So I never thought of that before last week of like, oh, that, I never thought that other people would would ever, even at their youngest, see magic and think that it's like some miraculous thing. So I wonder if that's in terms of just approaching something from the end result you want and then and then approaching it from the mechanics to get that uh maybe influenced how i think of things but i had never considered that before <laughs> <laughs> very interesting well i could i could talk your ear off for another 30 oh, me minutes too. thanks but, so uh, much for talking yeah, to me about that yeah but i really like the show and uh yeah thanks for talking to me thanks vince i'm so glad you like it uh, <laughs> yeah. let's, uh, let's talk again I, i'll talk about it whenever i'd love to do that yeah that'd be great how are you good how are you good good Congrats on the uh, finale. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I think I was ta- I was still editing it when we spoke last, and uh, you can tell it uh, it was right down to the wire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it came out perfectly. I mean, I was kind of uh, hoping for a, a big ending to sort of bring everything together, and I thought it really delivered, actually. Thank you. I know. I'm glad you say that. Thanks. Um, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, nothing. Um, did, uh, like, did talking about it and doing a round of press, did that sort of, did people's, did you get a sense of people's reaction and did that sort of uh, affect the, like, editing process? I'm sure it affected it, but I'm not sure exactly how. Everything in there was kind of planned from before I spoke to anybody. You know, we had most of it edited because I knew the first, you know, the finale was the hardest thing to edit. 
um, we had to deliver the episodes in order. So we had delivered the first five before we had really edited the finale at all. And then we took like, I think a month, month and a half to just work on that. And that was, it was such a sprawling mess. It was like an hour and 40 minutes. I was trying to do so much. I had so much more, you know, Paul T. Goldman Chronicles and spinoffs. And, <laughs> and then we're like, well, people are going to like, we teased Cadillac at the end of five and just trying to navigate all this. And then I, and, and you know, we had shot that interview in Paul's kitchen a few months earlier. So I know that the second, I knew that the second half of the episode would be about Paul being confronted with, you know, the footage of me talking to Cadillac McDaniel and Tony's Weiner. And I already knew how Paul had reacted to that. And, 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 you know, so what was the only real question, I believe we spoke when in early December, I think mm -hmm, maybe yeah. you had seen right the first five. So we hadn't shot the premiere. I knew I wanted to film at the premiere. I didn't know how he'd react. I didn't know if it would be, uh, I didn't know how it would feel <laughs> for him yeah. to watch it. That was really him watching the first three episodes and then parts of the other episodes for the first time. So I knew we were going to film it. I didn't know how it would go. And then, you know, I, I knew I wanted something about the response and something, you know, if we could, at, at that time, it was a big question of, you know, whether we could get him on a talk show. Um, so we had ideas for those last, you know, that last act, basically. Um, but it was, I don't, I don't know that it was really impacted by, by talking to, to people. We were kind of just pushing forward and, and hoping for the best. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, what were you thinking when you were face to face with Paul right after he saw the show for the first time? That's sort of, you know, like your sort of your, uh, climactic ending scene. It's really complex because you're trying to live in a real moment. And this person is someone I've known for 10 years. He's a real human being. I consider him a friend. We have, you know, it's not a typical documentary filmmaker subject relationship where you just, you know, you walk away and they become a piece of content. And it's like, well, I have a friendship with this person and I don't want to hurt him. <laughs> and, um, and at the same time, I obviously knew we were filming that. I told the cameras, I was like, yeah, we're after we watch it, we're going to go talk about it. You know, don't get in our faces, stay way back, hide behind a curtain, you know, go away. But because I want a real conversation with him. But also in my head, I knew I was filming this. So it's this weird mix of living in a real moment. But also uh, I was hoping that something interesting would happen uh, and that we would get something that would be worth putting in the last episode. Um, but at the same time, having an actual emotional conversation with with uh, this person who I consider a friend. So I wound up getting very emotional and I really didn't expect that. And I really am still trying to figure out why exactly. It's kind of hard to put into words. I don't know if it was because I thought this is probably the last time we'll be doing anything like this um, or, you know, uh, he's saying right now something as usual, Paul is saying something better than I could have ever written or asked him to say. And I, you know, the way he phrased it, I thought was so eloquent and perfect and interesting. And whether or not you want to read what he says at face value, or um, I've read some stuff that was also very interesting, thinking that he's just kind of saving face and readjusting and acting like he's okay with it. All those takes are valid. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know if I felt like, well, this is this is a very nice moment now, but you know, in in two weeks, in two months, who knows if Paul and I are going to have this friendship anymore? You know, I, it, it, it just felt like a very uh, powerful moment <laughs> to right. me. Um, yeah. So yeah, a lot, a lot going on. I mean, I I watch a ton of stuff with 
my wife and we usually don't really talk about it. It's kind of just like it, it, we watch it and it goes away and then we watch yeah. the next thing. Um, and then, but we actually were talking about like wondering what you were feeling in that last moment. And I don't know, my take on that scene is that you're sort of in this strange position where you have a duty to the audience to depict things as true as they are and as true as you can make them. But then you're also involved with your subject now too. Like you said, your friends, you've been around him for a decade and you, you don't want your thing. You don't want your like fun thing about him to ruin his life either. Was that, was, was that like a line that you were trying to walk with the, the project? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I never set out to destroy Paul. I knew we would be presenting uh, what I consider to be an honest depiction of him, including all sides, including other perspectives, including, you know, the stuff that's in that last episode that's only alluded to earlier of, you know, behavior that uh, was objectionable and sides of him that are objectionable and, and that I knew people would react strongly to. Um, yeah, there was just a, a lot a lot going on. This day. I was very much... Um, it's <laughs> feeling a lot of a lot of things and yeah. it, it, it was also like there is this kind of weird magic that happened on this whole project um where you would just turn the cameras on and set up a situation and then things would happen that were so much more interesting than i could have expected or written often funnier often more awkward and funny but also things like Natasha Blazik, the actress who played Svetlana, coming in and as soon as they sit down, revealing that she had been a mail order bride, quote unquote, and like uh, giving him new perspective on why the real Svetlana could have recoiled at his mm. touch. And I was like, oh, there's always just interesting things that happen with Paul when you when you film him. Um, and it might have just also been something when he started speaking and the way he phrased it about, you know, yeah, it's it's there's stuff in there that's not flattering, but hopefully people will see I'm, I'm a, a person and not a character. And I was like, God, I, 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 it's just always, it's always magic when we do these things. And it's like, yeah, I couldn't, it's just weird living in a moment like that where you're just like, oh, this is going to be uh, in this thing that lots of people will watch, but, yeah. but you're living it. It's just this very surreal, intense uh, energy. Yeah. And I mean, and I think, you know, people will watch it. And I think most people will understand. I think the majority of people will sort of see Paul as, a person and you know and flawed in the way that people are but like you know mostly good intention but it also seems like once you put something out there for a big enough audience like people are going to have all sorts of takes and like do you feel a responsibility for uh the reactions of like the I don't know, the dumber viewers that aren't going to get it and that <laughs> no, may react. I mean, like you can't, uh, you can't aim it at the dumbest person in the room, but you realize that your subject is going to be at the mercy of some of the dumbest people in the room. I can only be responsible for the show and I can't be responsible for anyone's reactions to it. So, you know, and this is not a dumb response at all, but I've seen a little bit, which I expected of, like, how could you platform this problematic guy who has these has these views about women and has the you know had this problematic behavior at times? And my response to that is, if you if you watch this whole show and think that I'm just platforming this person, then I believe uh, 
that's on you because I, I, I don't think that's what I've done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, I, I basically, uh, you know, maybe it's mostly through subtext, but even through just purely what's on screen, um, this guy is examined and not just celebrated. And, and I feel like it's worthwhile to examine people that aren't perfect, that are flawed, that, you know, believe things that are maybe retrograde or, offensive or you know i think it's worth examining all this stuff especially as i think how paul relates to very universal relatable things um it's not just a portrait of a unique person i think there's a lot in this story about wanting to be loved and and, and the lengths we go to get that love and and i think there's a lot that's very universal and that people can hopefully take something away from so when people have a take that i just completely disagree with you know i i feel content with what I put out there. Um, I can't control how people, you know, <laughs> react to the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I do see now in the past, you know, week or so as it has, um, I'm starting to see it trickle out beyond kind of comedy world and beyond yeah. people who would seek out a documentary like this and, and yeah, all sorts of opinions are going to come in. Um, but I, I, I'm only responsible for, for what I put out there. Right. I mean, I, I feel like we sort of live in a media environment where we're receiving much more feedback than our brains were ever uh, designed to handle. And it seems like, you know, if you're someone like Paul who gets publicly called out for being problematic or whatever, you can either uh, shell up and like make uh, dunking on your haters like your entire personality, or you can sort of uh, acknowledge some of it and try to be better. And it's, I, I, I don't know, I got the sense that he is trying to uh be different and not just um and not just uh push back on that i don't know what, yeah what i mean he sense? is like he is he's a very upbeat person i think he wants to be liked and i think and i i really believe after that especially after that last interview when i presented him with all the stuff debunking the sex trafficking ring and his response to that really hit home for me that he really he was not lying about this stuff he believed this stuff he was not making something up to try to look like a hero he believed about that side of it wrong information and um and i thought that was really admirable where and i believed him where he says he wants to be an honorable person and and uh and and i so i think he i i think he'll go in that path yeah at the same time right you see all these people where people come after you people generally go right wing they dig in <laughs> whatever um you know i've seen some tweets being like look at this guy's disgusting incel or whatever and i was like well that's the kind of response that, that you're just so kind of dug in on on that side where you're able to just reduce someone to a word like incel if anything my hope for this is yeah this guy has beliefs that i don't subscribe to in terms of women in terms of the nature of relationships, but I would hope if you could watch the whole thing, and I know it's very difficult, but that a viewer could try to arrive at a place of some complexity where we can look at people as full people and say, well, there might be parts of this personality, this person's beliefs that I am not aligned with, um, but to not just write people off as much as we do uh, would be a nice thing that is, is probably too idealistic to think could come out of this. But that's what I found is that he's a very complex person. I think all people are very complex. And I think when we just write people off or just classify people as a, as a, a word, 
um, you're doing a disservice to yourself and to them and to society as a whole. Yeah. Um, so logistically, like w- when you film that uh, shot after the premiere, how much of the show was, had he seen at that premiere at that point? So we showed the first three episodes at the premiere and then we went backstage and I just showed him clips of like the interview with Tony's Weiner and his response to it. And um, a few other clips uh, he had seen from that last episode, some of the spinoffs and stuff that he showed his dad. You know, he hadn't seen uh, the cast letter stuff, but we made him aware that that was going to be in it. And obviously he was interviewed in the show talking about it. So he knew all that stuff was was uh, on the table and was going to be in the show. Um, So, you know, the only thing I didn't take him through before this came out is that I was going to be uh, very honest as I see it in my depiction of Terry J in in the last episode uh, and how I believe uh, her role in this whole thing impacted uh, what happened. Um, And it was for a few reasons. I didn't, uh, you know, he's friends with Terry and Mm. I, I didn't want, I didn't want that to be a thing before he came out. So that's really the only thing uh, in the last episode that Paul wasn't part of and wasn't aware was going to be part of it. Right. Um, d- have you talked to him since? Has he seen all of it? Does he Does he have a reaction? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I talked to him quite a bit. Um, I talked to him almost every day still. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, you know, because I didn't want, I never wanted to destroy him. And it, you know, it's got to be the craziest thing to suddenly have thousands of strangers having opinions about you, even though he's got a lot of support and love and people saying that they were inspired by his ability to absorb new information and change in that last episode. He's also got loads of people tweeting and adding him uh, saying, you know, you're, you're a piece of shit mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. you deserve everything and I want to fight you and whatever. <laughs> and I, I mean, that's, that's hard on a human being. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, I, I think he's still processing all that stuff in there. I can't imagine how it feels to sit down and watch someone else's version of what your life story is and knowing that this is going to be, you know, that's going on the record. And, and uh, I, I can't imagine how powerless that feels to be like, oh, this thing was made about me. And lo- loads of people are going to see this other version, this other person's version of, of who I am and what my life is. Uh, that's a level of control I personally would never hand over to anybody. And so because of all these people saying, this guy's crazy, this guy is awful, uh, you know, he disparaged, you know, innocent woman or what have you. Um, Paul has been a little bit um, concerned in terms of the evidence from his trial that I didn't include in the show. And we included a, a, a lot of stuff in terms of phone logs and we, we tried to paint a, a picture, but he, you know, he, he's talked to me about why didn't you include this email from her to Cadillac or why didn't you include this receipt I had from, you know, Las Vegas where she bought Jimmy Choo's. And, you know, I, I think he he wants to be, I, I, it's understandable. He he doesn't like, you know, anything that was left out where if people are saying that he's crazy. I, I believe he thinks, well, if that was just in there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look so crazy. And I, right. I feel like we, I tried to include as much as I could without being redundant or boring, or there was stuff legally we couldn't include. Um, that uh, would present his side as well as presenting the other information we found. Um, But that's the kind of stuff 
he's been a little concerned with since it came out of, of just making sure. And I said, tweet, you can tweet, tell, tell people to buy the book. It's all in the book. If people want more of the story, if people want more evidence, there's things we didn't have time for, you know, use it. I, I, I want him to have a life after this. Uh, so yeah, I just told him, you know, get, get your story out there sell your book. <laughs> I mean, did you ever get uh, frustrated with him? Um, for not maybe not realizing that like just the real story uh could have been as nuanced and fascinating as you know the sort of uh tv show that he like tried to turn it into like do you think he sort of skipped over some of the some of the inter- some of the things that were actually really fascinating about uh audrey um you know, aside from thinking that she was like running a sex trafficking ring? I think to Paul, this was always the real story, including things that he knew were embellished or made up. Um, you know, my fascination was with him and with, you know, how he absorbed and changed this story. Um, to me, this, the real story, yeah, there, I mean, there's a whole documentary to be made about. Diana and Cadillac's tragic relationship that went on for years that was clearly, I believe, so much more important in her life than her brief marriage to Paul. There's so many different angles on this story. My fascination was with Paul's um, experience and depiction of events and kind of what he did with it. Um, You know, that was what this was about, was looking at, you know, the kind of person who would not only kind of simplify the events of his life into a story that he wrote a book about, but then also, you know, spin that off and write, you know, autobiographical fan fiction where he can live out this hero fantasy and kind of create this whole alternate reality where he can be vindicated and, you know, have characters, have people from his real life come back and tell him what he did was worthwhile. To me, that was always the most interesting uh, angle on this in terms of examining a person and, and, what makes them tick and and so that was always what i was most interesting in interested in you know i don't i don't think there's a, a version of it where he would have just looked at the real story and 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 just written that mm-hmm. um it's just not it's not not him that's not the person i was doing this <laughs> right. project with <laughs> yeah um so th- you had to sort of make this sort of montage effect with all of you know paul's like spin-offs uh, and uh, of of the story and like sequels to the Chronicles and all that, like how much I, I assume you probably just shot most, like most of what went in the show was the part that you shot. Like how much of it did you have to shoot that didn't go in the, uh, of the Chronicles? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we shot a lot (laughs) and I was really (laughs) trying to make it all go in because I love it. I love the writing. I thought it was so fascinating and I was trying, this whole thing was me trying to kind of, recreate my experience of absorbing all his material and becoming obsessed with it. And part of that was reading the Chronicles and really believing that it was, they're great. (laughs) Like they're, they're amazing to read. The writing I don't think is notably worse than most like action, like movies and TV shows and stuff. It's just like, yeah, there's like cheesy stuff, but the fact that you have this crazy subtext of knowing that the person you're watching is this he's he's spun this off from his real life and is bringing in people from his real life and 
like it was so fascinating that I always, I found it more interesting than any like action movie I, I could watch. And so <laughs> we shot a ton of Chronicle stuff. And my idea, my original idea for the finale was to be keep cutting back and forth between the two planes of reality. Paul in, you know, on one track, Paul, you know, confronting the truth that we were able to find and really digging in on the documentary side and just full, full real life. And then keep cutting to this like heightened Chronicles world where in this other reality, Paul is this action here, almost like um, adaptation, uh, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so you're following both that would maybe converge in some way or that would kind of comment on each other. We try to cut like that and it was just a jumbled mess. It didn't make any sense because you just couldn't uh, emotionally stay, keep tracking Paul and Chronicles world, no, wondering like, when was this shot? And like, no, I just like, once we're into Cadillac, it's like, I just want the truth. I just want to. So we made it all kind of a quick montage in that first act of the episode. And then the spinoffs kind of spun out from looking at his relationship with his dad and his son. Um, and then we got into all the truth. We had to kind of split the episode because it just wasn't working. But as a result, we have so much more Chronicles. I'm trying, actually, I'm back in my office today. I'm trying to finish editing. Um, I think there may be like a 10 minute cut of just Chronicles uh, scenes and maybe five additional minutes of just that, that spin off the dream catchers um, that hopefully we'll be able to release sometime soon. Uh, Cause it's really interesting. And, and yeah, we shot it. We shot the giant, you know, gunfight in Moscow that I think there's probably one second of it that wound up in the show. Mm -hmm, <laughs> and mm -hmm. so, and um, yeah, so I, I, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, he's sort of built this whole thing up. Like, this is going to be his big break. And, uh, you know, like, he's starring in this TV show that's on a network. Um, do you feel like you are going to have to be the brunt of his uh expectations not like of of life not living up to whatever his expectations were for this whole project you know paul was always clear that we were shooting we shot most of his screenplay and he always knew it would have this this documentary side to it that ultimately we would be including interviews real people the behind the scenes all this stuff you know paul by the time we were shooting was very aware of the format of the show and the scenes from the paul t goldman chronicles and from his spinoffs, the Johnny Goldman Chronicles, the Dreamcatchers, the Darling Street Detectives. Um, you know, we were always shooting those uh, thinking they would be just little snippets, kind of a, a selling tool and for him and for me to examine, you know, the interesting things that I found about about, about these projects. Um, so he was never under the impression that we were actually shooting, you know, these whole things. We, you know, some, some people ask like, wait, did they shoot a whole chronicles movie and and trick it was like no no he knew we were just shooting some scenes to to try them out and look at them and you know paul in the many months of negotiating his contract held on to the smartly held on to the rights of of all this stuff i was always clear with him it's like i don't know what our situation will be after this project i want to do other things i want to you know move on probably <laughs> um and, and some of that's in the show and uh but paul controls all that stuff now i don't think it's impossible i see people tweeting at him asking about the chronicles I, you know i think he could do something else with this stuff uh hopefully and, and he owns it so i you know i i hope he gets to because i i do think it's all like i said i read these stories knowing knowing the subtext knowing the backstory and 
they're they're good. Yeah, <laughs> they're really interesting. They're really, um, you know, it's not uh, the room or Birdemic. You read, they're all available on Amazon, and there's you, you wind up invested in these stories. It's really fascinating. The the chronicles are interesting. The chronicles yeah. are interesting, <laughs> and they're I think there could be a life for them beyond this. <laughs> That's great. Well, I appreciate you talking to me. Like I said, I was a big fan of the show, and I really, I really. I was worried that the finale wouldn't deliver and I thought that it really did. And, uh, yeah. Oh, thanks so much. I was worried too. Yeah. Last time we spoke, I didn't know, I had no idea what the fuck it was going to be. <laughs> so I was like, shit, but we really, uh, just all December kind of killed ourselves editing this thing. Um, and I had, I had great editors and, uh, just a, a great team. And we just sat in, in this room and, and just and, and really tried to figure it out but a lot of it was luck too um i'm just happy people have responded to it the way they the way they did and it was interesting because i'm seeing a lot of people now posting about it who i think weren't uh feeling okay to before they saw how it ended um mm -hmm. and i do think even like the reviews we sent out five episodes to critics and more than i was expecting um the reviews uh, certain ones were very hesitant to kind of even plant their flag whether they liked this show or not because they want they were kind of basing that on uh, how it ended so i you know ho hopefully they, they liked how it ended but uh, you know uh yeah i don't i don't know we we really didn't know uh at that time how exactly it was gonna end yeah cool man um yeah thanks a lot thanks so much vince it's uh such a pleasure talking to you yeah likewise <laughs>